to Lecture Full, the Sports Biomechanics Lecture Series, supported by the International Society of Biomechanics in Sports and sponsored by Vicon. I've personally been looking forward to today's lecture for quite a while, so hopefully you all enjoy it. We have Dr. Johannes Funken from the German Sport University Cologne, and Johannes is the current ISBS student representative, and he's going to be presenting on a really interesting topic about which he recently completed his PhD studies. So I'll allow Johannes to introduce the topic, but I hope you enjoy. Okay. Hello, everybody, and thank you, Stuart, for the kind introduction and for your great work on putting this lecture series together. I would also like to thank ISBS for giving me the opportunity to give this invited lecture. I will talk about recent insights in the biomechanical characteristics of the long jump with the below the knee prosthesis. And as we cannot see each other live or talk to each other after my presentation, I would like to say some brief words about myself to give you an impression of who I am. My name is Johannes Funken and I received my, my um, doctorate degree from the German Sport University Cologne in 2019. Currently, um, I work as a postdoctoral researcher at the Institute of Biomechanics uh, and Orthopedics of the German Sport University Cologne. And since my first year as a bachelor student, I've been fascinated by the interaction between the human muscular skeletal system and any uh, technological devices. And therefore, I'm very happy to talk about the long term with the prosthesis. And it is a great pleasure for me to present some of my main findings from my doctoral project for you. When we think about the long jump, many of, many of us might have Mike Powell in mind. In 1991, he set an incredible world record for non-amputee athletes of 895 meters. But there's also this guy, Markus Rehm. During an accident, he lost his lower right leg, resulting in a transtibial amputation. With a personal best of 848, He's the current world record holder of the long jump of athletes with a below-the-knee amputation, which we now call BKA. Just to get you um, an impression of how far this is, um, it's about half a meter longer than your side of a beach volleyball court. Let's have a quick look into the um, development of the long jump distances needed to become the Olympic champion during the last nine Olympic Games. And as you can see, Mike Powell never actually won, an, uh, won a gold medal at the Olympics. Um, and distances to win a gold medal were usually around 850 to 870 and dropped a little during the last three Olympic Games. For many years, the distances um, jump to become the Paralympic champion were, uh, or Paralympic champion with the leg amputation were way shorter compared to distances achieved by Olympic champions. But then along came Markus Rehm winning the Paralympics with 735 meters in London and with 
21 in Rio. His world record of 848 from August 2018 would have been sufficient to win the last three Olympic Games and become at least third in all Olympic Games ever. After this great achievement, questions arose of whether Marcus should be allowed to compete with non-amputee athletes and being ranked in the same ranking system or not. Um, in an attempt to answer this question from a biomechanical perspective, we first had to ask ourselves, what do we actually know about the long jump with and without prosthesis? For non-amputee athletes, there's a great basis of knowledge. To jump far, the athletes need to run up fast and then have an effective takeoff step for redirecting horizontal run-up velocity into horizontal and vertical takeoff velocity. Both seems to be equally important as a good long jump performance for non-amputee athletes uh, is, uh, is not possible without one or the other. Um, a good takeoff technique involves lowering the center of mass during the last um, strides and then the, the athlete really um, tries to use the takeoff leg as a rigid lever to rotate over the foot. Um, in the literature this is called pivoting. The overall um, goal should be to generate a vertical takeoff velocity without losing too much of the horizontal run-up speed. And what about the long jump with prosthesis? There's some comprehensive work from Nolan and colleagues and one very recent paper from Padoulis about run-up and take-off step kinematics. The problem was we did not have any very recent data at all. The research mentioned above um, is from a time when athletes jumped about one or two meters shorter than they do now. And also, um, in the meantime, athletes switched from taking off from the bi biological leg to taking off from the prosthesis now. And actually, um, today, uh, almost all top-level amputee long jumpers use their prosthesis for the takeoff step. And also, we do not have any kinetic data, no ground reaction forces, no joint energy, no joint loadings. But it should also be mentioned that already back then, Nolan and colleagues already compared the, um, the jumping technique of athletes who use a below-the-knee prosthesis uh, for the takeoff step with using a springboard. However, as jump distances um, um, improved a lot, since then we didn't know if this is still true and what are the underlying biomechanics of the long jump with the prosthesis to achieve distances over seven or even eight meters. Therefore, the purpose of our multinational research project was uh, the biomechanical comparison of the long jump of athletes with and without a below the knee amputation. And in my thesis, I worked on three primary research questions. But due to the limited time I have during today's presentation, I will focus on the first two only. And that would be 
Um, does the use of a prosthesis by athletes with BKA lead to an advantage or disadvantage during the long jump compared to non-amputee athletes? And the second, are the long jump with and without the prosthesis based on the same biomechanical physical mechanisms? Excuse me. Um, in total, we analyzed 10 athletes, three out of the four best long jumpers with or below the knee amputation who competed in the 2016 Paralympics, including the Paralympic champion. We also analyzed seven non-amputee long jumpers on, um, on, on um, different performance levels, including the 2016 Olympic champion. And as you can see, the two groups match pretty well in terms of performance and anthropometrics. Data capturing was conducted in Cologne and in Tokyo for capturing the kinematics. We used a 3D motion capturing system, a Vicon system, and for the kinetics, we used a force plate implemented below the takeoff board. We measured running velocity with a laser gun and ensured valid force plate strikes with high-speed video footage. Marker coordinates together with individual anthropometrics were then used for creating a full body model of each long jumper. And for the, the athlete with BKA, the lower part of the shank was um, substituted with the model of the prosthesis and the prosthetic ankle joint was defined at the point of the greatest curvature, uh, 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 the greatest curvature of the blade. From our model, we extracted and calculated the following measures. Uh, first, we calculated the theoretical jump distance. Um, we did that because we wanted to avoid the influence of landing technique on performance and theoretical jump distance uh, is defined as the distance from where the foot leaves the ground to the intersection of the COM flight path with ground level. Beside others, we calculate the following kinematic and kinetic parameters. We calculated run up and take off velocity, COM kinematics, joint kinematics, COM kinetics, joint kinetics and energy distribution, ground reaction force orientation, ground reaction force, lever arms and vertical stiffness. And just to give you an impression of how, our, uh, of how our model looked in action, here's a short video of two uh, athletes doing the last few steps before taking off. Um, in red, the athlete with BKA, and in black, the non-amputee athletes or athlete. Okay, coming to the results. Theoretical jump distance was not um, different between groups and all athletes with VKA used their affected leg as their takeoff leg. Um, on this slide, you can see the individual horizontal velocity indicated on the y-axis for each athlete at touchdown and at toe-off for the takeoff step. 
left for the non-amputee athletes and on the right for athletes with BKA. Non-amputee athletes run up faster and had a higher horizontal velocity when touching the board for the takeoff step. During the takeoff step, non-amputee athletes um, lost about 1.1 meters per second of horizontal velocity. An athlete with BKA on the other side um, had lower horizontal velocity when when um, touching the board for the takeoff, but then only lost about 0.6 meters per second. Well, at the instant of takeoff in the actual jump, horizontal was not a horizontal velocity was not significantly different between both groups of athletes. For the vertical velocity, uh, there was no significant difference between the two groups, neither at touchdown or at takeoff. So where do those differences in deceleration come from? Since we know that acceleration, or in this case, deceleration is directly linked to the force acting on a body, we looked into the ground reaction forces. Non-amputee athletes had a pronounced impact peak in vertical direction and in horizontal braking direction. Um, athletes with BKA had a more or less synodial vertical force curve and lower braking forces compared to non-amputee athletes. However, vertical impulses between both groups were similar, but horizontal braking impulse was greater for non-amputee athletes. And as I said at the beginning, the overall goal of the takeoff step should be to generate a high vertical takeoff velocity without losing too much of the, um, of the horizontal roundup velocity. So if we now plot the ratio of the vertical to the net horizontal impulses, um, it revealed that athletes with BKA had a higher ratio indicating a more effective takeoff step. To understand this effectiveness, we now looked even a bit deeper into the takeoff step and analyzed the COM energy during the takeoff step. What you see here are individual curves for the COM work uh, during the takeoff step, zero leveled for the instant of touchdown. COM energy is a combination of kinetic and potential energy. And during the takeoff step, athletes lose kinetic energy because of the braking impulse. And as we can see, non-amputee athletes lost some of their COM energy during the first two-thirds of the stance phase and then regained some of this energy during the last third of the takeoff step. However, they were the, or they only uh, regained 56% of the energy they lost. Um, in athletes with BK, that was different. They also lost some of their COM energy during the first half of the takeoff step. Uh, but then during the um, second half of the stance phase, they were able to increase total COM energy on an even higher level than it was at touchdown. So how are they able to do that? Um, athletes with BKA store most of the COM energy in the prosthesis. 
because the prosthesis is a passive elastic component, some of the energy gets lost here, but then the athletes with PKA are able to add some energy to the system by use of the active system, in this case, the hip muscles. That's something we could not see in non-MPT athletes. Or with other words, um, athletes with BKA are able to store a lot of kinetic run-up energy in the blade in form of strain energy, regain most of this energy, and then add some energy with, mus uh, with muscular work around the hip. So as a quick sum up, um, um, athletes with PKA have a disadvantage during the run-up due to a lower run-up velocity, but have more um, efficient take-off step, which is an advantage. Quantifying either the advantage or the disadvantage in meters, which is, uh, which is the unit uh, the overall long jump performance is measured in, was hard, and especially for the run-up not possible based on current scientific knowledge. So at the end, we, when it comes to the question overall advantage or overall disadvantage, we had to admit that we cannot give a clear answer here because we could not weigh the advantage against the disadvantage in the same units. But still, there were some open questions. Specifically, how can athletes with BKA store that much energy in the prosthesis and at the same time put their um, hip muscles in action? We now had a look in the ground reaction force um, alignment relative to the leg joints and the COM. The previously mentioned differences regarding ground reaction force um, amplitude also became obvious when comparing when compare ground reaction force alignment uh, of the two groups during the takeoff step. Um, athletes with PKA had their ground reaction force vector more or less passing through the knee and hip joint and close to their COM. Non-amplitude athletes, on the other hand, had their ground reaction force um, vector with some distance to the joint centers and to the COM especially during the impact phase of the takeoff step. This was true for the um, sagittal plane, but also for the frontal plane. And please notice that athletes with BKA are indicated in red jersey and non-amputee athletes with a black jersey. That's also the color coding for our next figures. This this um, qualitative analysis was supported when we calculated mean distances between joint centers and the resultant ground reaction force vector. Compared to non-amputee athletes, athletes with BKA had longer lever arms between the ground reaction force vector and the prosthetic ankle joint, but shorter lever arms between ground reaction force vector and hip and knee joint. Or with other words, um, athletes with PKA increase the load on the prosthesis, but decrease the load on the biological tissues at the more proximal non-affected joints. Furthermore, 
um, and as stated by Bivena, a, um, a closer alignment of the limb and the ground reaction force vector um, increases the muscle's effective mechanical advantage at the joint. This kind of selective loading and unloading indicates that the energy changes necessary for the takeoff step in athletes with BKA can be provided more effectively with the prosthesis compared to the muscles surrounding their residual limb joints. Um, also, it should be noted uh, that the energy stored in the prosthesis exceeds the energy storing capacities of the human muscle tendon complex. This kind of movement execution also has some consequences for the vertical COM movement during the takeoff step. When storing energy in their prosthesis, athletes with BKA really sink into their prosthesis and have a pronounced and more extended downward movement compared to non-amputee athletes. Non-amputee athletes hardly have any COM downward movement, but really pivot over their, um, over their leg lever. This is also reflected in a higher vertical stiffness during the takeoff step in non-amputee athletes compared to athletes with BKA. The higher vertical stiffness is even more remarkable when noticing that um, knee joint flexion is much smaller in athletes with BKA. So even though athletes with BKA try to keep their residual leg stiff, their COM vertical downward displacement is much greater than in non-amputee athletes. And athletes with BKA cannot actively uh, stiffen their lower leg, but have to deal with the stiffness of the prosthesis. Or with other words, by relying on energy storage and return capacities of the prosthesis, um, athletes with BKA are also confronted with some mechanical constraints of the prosthesis, which they have to deal with. So in total, we identify two very different takeoff step mechanisms. One is based on redirection of the movement by, uh, by rotating about a relatively rigid leg lever. And the other one is based on energy storage and return, and indeed reminds of the use of a springboard. And um, additionally, there are two uh, important facts we were able to distill. First, non-amputee long jumpers can not adopt the technique elicited by athletes with VKA due to their limited capacity of storing and returning energy in the biological structures. And second, long jumpers with BKA cannot adopt the takeoff technique used by non-amputee athletes due to mechanical constraints of the prosthesis. And to my mind, the combination of those two facts underlines how fundamentally different both, both movement mechanisms are and provides important knowledge for future rules and regulations. Now, let me take you on a short excursion and highlight some 
parallels of the movement mechanisms used by athletes with BKA, similar to mechanisms in sports and biology. First, just remember how athletes with BKA store most of the kinetic run-up energy uh, in their prosthesis and then get most of, uh, most of it back and additionally add energy by muscular work. Something similar was observed by Aram Patsis and, um, and colleagues during the pole vault. The athlete stores kinetic run-up energy um, um, in the pole. The pole releases um, this energy and then the athlete adds some energy to the system by using um, his or her active system. Um, in this case, probably arm and core muscles. And for the second example, we remember the ground reaction force curves of athletes with BKA during the takeoff step. When looking into the um, literature, we found remarkably similar ground reaction force curves in hopping of yellow rock wallabies. From wallabies, we know that their movement is based on energy storing uh, um, on energy storage and return from elastic structures. And of course, we don't want to say that, that athletes with BKA move like wallabies or like kangaroos, but to our mind, this and the pole wall example underline how, um, uh, or, or underline our finding that the takeoff mechanism of athletes with BKA is based on energy storage and return. So when we come back to our two main research questions, uh, we had to admit that we could not um, quantify an overall advantage or overall disadvantage based on the data we had and the current scientific knowledge. For the second question, we were able to um, identify two fundamentally different movement mechanisms, one based on pivoting and the other based on energy storage and return and indeed reminds of the use of a springboard. The knowledge we gained has direct implications for prosthetic design and also training protocols, training equipment, and performance diagnostics might be adapted to the individual movement execution and specific demands of athletes with a below the knee prosthesis. And at the end, and, at, um, and as I said before, the knowledge about two fundamentally different movement mechanisms might have implications for future rules and regulations and might help uh, decision makers. From a biomechanical perspective, we were able to gain a valuable data set and build a sound fundament for an objective and more data-driven discussion on, um, on whether or not athletes with BKA should compete um, um, in the same ranking with non-amputees. Before I close, Please, please let me uh, add two comments. First, 
Um, I am not saying one or the, the other movement mechanism is more or less demanding. They are just based on very different biomechanical, physical mechanisms. And the second, this goes out to those who say, Marcus is, um, is just using spring and it's all about the spring. If this was true, Marcus wouldn't, would not jump about 80 centimeters longer than the second best long jumper with the prosthesis. Um, um, if it was all about the spring, all athletes with BKA would be able to jump that far. To my mind, the long jump with the prosthesis, just like all other sports and disciplines, um, is all about passion, talent, and really hard work. Thank you for your attention. Um, I would like to thank a few people for the help during my doctoral project and uh, many fruitful discussions during the manuscript writing phase. That would be Dr. Hiraki Robara, Professor Lina Gurabowski, Dr. Steffen Wilwacher, Dr. Kai Heinrich, Mr. Ralph Höhle, and of course a special thank you to my Doctoral Supervisor Professor Wolfgang Potast. Um, I would also like to thank all student helpers and colleagues from the Institute of Biomechanics and Orthopedics at the German Sport University Cologne. I would like to thank the Japan Institute of Sports Sciences for the help during data collection. I would like to thank the German Sport University Cologne for providing me with a graduate fellowship grant. And our, um, a special thanks goes to Japan Broadcasting Corporation, NHK, for financially supporting this study. Thank you very much, Johan. And I really hope that everyone else got as much out of that as I did. It was really fascinating. Um, if anybody's got any follow-up questions to that um, for Johans, then please either use the comments section on YouTube or if you take to Twitter and use the hashtag at the bottom of the screen, we'll keep an eye on both of those and try and make sure we can get a response for you. And then finally, please don't forget, on Friday we've got another really interesting talk, this time from Wouter Hoogkammer, um, talking about running footwear and the two-hour marathon. So again, hopefully another really interesting topic. Thank you very much and see you soon.